This is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. We're live every Sunday on our website, propertymatterstv.co.uk, and of course, uh, YouTube, Facebook, and um, our Facebook groups too. And if you're watching on our website, don't forget to hit that Google review button, leave a nice <coughs> review on the homepage. And you can also leave your comments wherever you're watching us on social media too, and we'd love to see your comments on the show today. If you'd like to get in touch, it's hello at property tv.co.uk. We're also available as a podcast every Monday on the podcast icons you can see there. And we're live on Dilsa Radio as well, so we welcome our listeners there. We also welcome our property expert to talk through all this week's news. It's Joe Joshi. Yes, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to our listeners and good morning to our viewers, those that are going to be bothered to get up on a Sunday morning, especially when it's nice and bright and sunny. And then you've got to see my mug and pool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I know I know where I would be. But listen, that's the choice we take um, every Sunday morning. We're here live to uh, share with you whatever's happening in the property world each week. And we've got some facts and figures this week, because you know how much I love my facts and figures, Joe. And uh, we've got the Zoopla um, UK House Price Index for May 2023. Um, it's a mixed bag, let's just say, to, to try and put the most positive spin on it. Prices fall 1.3% in the last six months, but the pace of the fall is slowing. Prices and activity continue to adjust to the impact of higher mortgage rates and rising <coughs> living costs, leading to a 1.3% decline over the last six months. In recent months, the rate of monthly price falls has slowed as buyer confidence improves. Sales are increasing as a result of uh, falling mortgage rates, um, well, in terms of the being, being more competitive at least, and a strong labour market. The annual rate of price inflation is down to 1.9%, and it was 9.6% this time last year. So your house price was rising 9.6% a year ago. Now it's only rising by 1.9%, and of course inflation's way ahead of that. At a regional level, uh, house price ranges from minus 2% in London to 3.6% growth in Wales. They're saying they expect, Joe, that prices will remain uh, broadly static for the rest of the year. However, higher than expected inflation data has increased the probability of further interest rate rises, which we've always been saying on this show. This will have a knock-on effect on mortgage rates, which appear likely to edge higher in the coming weeks. This would uh, reduce the buying power in the second half of the year, and the impact depends very much on how much the rates uh, increase. The biggest hit to housing activity in 2023 will be seen in the number of housing sales, which they expect to be 20% lower this year. So there's 20% less business going on, Joe, and it all depends on what the banks and the government say as to how successful a year the industry has. So that's in a nutshell. What's your thoughts? Uh, do you want me to say all of that in one shot? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, thanks for that. And I, I know you love your facts and figures and Zoopla are, are great at producing this uh, uh, executive summary as you put up there now. Uh, every um, month at the beginning of the month and it, it kind of sets the pace. They're not far from the reality of it. There is a mixed bag of things going on as far as I can see. Um, the positive spin that I'm going to put on it is that, of course, we are still up in terms of our values. Uh, we're not completely in the negative uh, approach yet um, and from year on year. So, uh, so that's a good thing. Houses are still the best form of uh, investment that people were likely to make. Um, in terms of, and that's why people are constantly wanting to be on that property ladder pool. That's that's what drives them. Um, there are a, a number of areas that matter. Of course, investment is important, but more than anything else, it's a home that they can say that they own um, 
and and have of, of their own rather than going out renting. So I think you're you're absolutely right with those figures. Um, it's not gone off the Richter scale, but uh, it has slowed, and that slowed for a number of reasons, as we know. The main reason, of course, being that the uh, inflation is so high, so they've been whacking up the interest rates. Um, I don't know what five or six times already, um, and we expect probably another couple, if not a bit more. Um, I've always predicted that we'd end up at five percent. Um, you know, people are now saying five point two, five one, five point five. I'm hoping that it is going to be at five percent. Um, and they've been stress testing lending for some time on this, so they know that they've been stress testing at seven percent, and now I think around eight percent. So, in terms of um, interest rates, that's fine. I think the biggest thing that's always caught us is the other costs that have just been piling on, food prices, um, rates, uh, electric, gas, etc, etc. Those are the ones that have been probably unknown, even though they're saying that that is um, dropping a bit. But in terms of um, <coughs> house prices, as far as I'm concerned, you know, just everybody's going to stay, stay steady. I expect that we will probably see a further decline only in the sense of mortgages um, because I think that we haven't had the full impact of the people that have had their fixed rate mortgages um, which have not come off but over the next six months um, I anticipate that some of those will come off and so that's where we will start to see a further correction if you want to call it that I like to call it a correction and not a downturn you have to remember that you know going up at the rates house prices were going up even a year ago and before for the last three years, you know, they had to, something had to give. Um, what was the government going to do? I think the government um, have got to really think very carefully about what they've got to do. I'm sure they have a strategy. I'm sure they know that, you know, there's a, there's a storm coming, uh, as I would call it, and we're just a little bit calm before that storm starts to hit, and that would be my, my worry. But I think the courts and the lenders have been forewarned to take certain kinds of steps or not take any steps at this moment in time until we get through the storm. And that is that there will, there's a lot of people that are probably in arrears on their mortgages who cannot match or meet the higher increase on their mortgage rates at this moment in time. Um, and so we'll find that towards the second half of this year, uh, which we have now started in, uh, <coughs> we will actually find that, um, you know, there might be a little bit more um, uh, less uh, purchasing power um, in sense that the mortgages are going to become tougher to get but availability of stock has become far far more fluid especially when you think a year 18 months ago there was hardly any stock around now there's a lot more stock and one of the areas that obviously is bringing that stock is the buy-to-let market because the buy-to-let market has been pretty much killed off um, and that needs to be revived in, in a different form. Um, and I think, you know, the government's got to really seriously look at that. Yeah, absolutely right. You mentioned a couple of points there. I mean, uh, this is the graph on screen now. So demand is down 14%, number of sales agreed up 11%. And the flow of new homes is positive for the first time in ages, uh, 16%. Uh, and the number of the stock of homes for sale is up 10%. You, you could have turned this graph upside down 18 months, two years ago, because we had no stock. Loads of people, demand was through the roof. We had loads of people wanted to buy. There was nothing to buy. Uh, and, the, and the graph was the other way up. And as you say, um, uh, the the, uh, the the landlord situation as uh, we had on the uh, the front slide, uh, which we'll talk about in more detail in a second, which was uh, the fact that the figure 
shows uh, 11% of all listings. It's one in 10 of all properties are formally rented out buy-to-let properties. We'll come on to that in just a second. Um, what they do say, there is some positivity here. Uh, I've just found it. <laughs> it's been looking for a long time. Uh, but despite the demand, uh, the weaker demand, the number of new sales agreed in the last four weeks is actually 11.11% higher than the five-year average from the same period. So over the last five years, it's 11% higher than the best that it's been in the last five years. That's in the last month alone as many buyers are also selling because uh, you know they're selling somewhere and buying somewhere so that's uh, helping the activity obviously um, more sales boosts the new flow of homes up by 16 percent as we've mentioned there on the five-year average uh, but they're saying that they must remain they are selling but they've got to be remaining realistic on prices some 18 percent of homes currently listed on <coughs> zupa have had the asking price cut by five percent or more compared to 28 percent in february uh, price reductions typically come eight weeks after the first listing as they try and get some interest as they've you know they've been there for eight weeks no one's really coming around or had a couple at the first week and then there's been no interest and they've been forced to uh, bring the price down i presume that resonates with the current situation you're finding yes i mean prices have to be corrected um and you know it's a, it's a buyer's market paul at the end of the day currently so wherever possible the buyer has the chance to make an offer providing of course they can get the funding i mean that's that's the key thing it's all very well making an offer that they think they want to be able to do but if they can't get the borrowing then that offer doesn't mean anything so you know you, you've got to really uh, tailor the the deal accordingly um and um yes so it is a buyer's market and prices are showing a bit of a correction but that if you look at across the board and you'll you'll, you'll show in your summary probably and time comes on is that there is just no set pattern at all in my mind uh, of where and what is going on okay there are some areas that are doing exceptionally well but broadly speaking there are no particular areas that are now the ultimate place to go to whereas a year ago we were having those discussions and there was you know the midlands and the north and all that kind of stuff was really coming into our conversation whereas right now it, it's it's spread right across from the northeast from scotland right down to sort of wales and across the border and down into the southeast southwest it's just everywhere so it's just about the the moves that are happening i suppose are now i call social moves their needs moves either schooling uh, personal circumstances whereas what the move we had in um the last three years were you know the race for space the the flee out of the big city the pandemic created its own um reasons of why people want to move um and so and, and of course they were getting better prices in in, in london or, or in the in the cities and they were getting a better value for money out in the sticks for example in in wales or in in, in the birmingham in the midlands so all you know the whole thing has is, is literally turned upside down at this moment in time just like our graph at there as we see it um because uh, the demand has has changed it's it's, a, it's become a buyer's market as opposed to a seller's market um and it will change again you know 18 months two years down the road we could show the graph and it will twist <coughs> again. And that's the good thing about the housing market, that it's always been fluid and it's always gives you something to sort of keep going on at. But people will never stop buying property. They still are very keen to buy their home, even at the current rates of uh, mortgage. What's interesting, actually, is one in 10, 11% of homes uh, that were previously rented are now being uh, sold. 
Um, but that actually was, that peaked, that figure, in 2020, when it was 14% of homes that were previously rented out. So it actually has been higher than now. And I kind of fascinated as to why that was never actually something that we reported on back in the day, because it was... Uh, um, it, it was surely it would have been something that uh, would have been um, disruptive in the market in the fact that people couldn't get rented homes. But uh, what's interesting is five years on, around half of these homes, these uh, uh, one in ten homes, uh, returned to the re re rental market. So basically people put them up for sale because they were getting out of renting, uh, being a landlord, and half of those would have been bought by another landlord and then rented out. But the rest would have gone to people like first-time buyers and so on. And obviously, these rented homes typically have an asking price, they're saying, of about 25% lower, so they represent good value. Um, but now, of course, um, only a third of those properties are being bought by another landlord and then rented out. The other two-thirds are now going to actual buyers who are going to live in the property. So um, the, the, the price difference being 190000 for the average ex-rental stock versus 250 for a starter home for a first-time buyer. So they're great deals, but there's less landlords going after rented stock for, for the reasons that we've stated. So an interesting time and, and a great time to be involved if you can afford the monthly repayments, of course, as a first-time buyer. And that's, that's where the rub is, I guess. Well, I mean, first-time buyers are uh, equating their current rental value. So... If you're renting a, a two-bedroom flat in, in in most areas now, to it's it's, it's 12, 12, 1500 pound a month, maybe more. That was a thousand pounds before. That was maybe nine hundred pounds a month, and the one bedroom was probably at seven fifty, eight hundred, and that's now at a thousand, eleven hundred pounds a month. So what people are looking at is, you know, if if you've got that much commitment in a rental, do I go out and try and get a mortgage? And and the answer is, this is the time for those rental people to go out and get a mortgage because the price difference is there availability of stock in their reach is probably there now because the investors are not going in the investors are not going in not because they can't afford to it's just because they financially have been absolutely you know strangled by the the taxation and all the other things that they've got to do and especially in some cases um, <coughs> older stock where um where uh, the leases might be lower, uh, the rental uh, income is now not sufficient to cover their borrowing uh, at, at a historic level. So they're coming out of the market and saying, look, you know what, and then there's a the taxation. They're being taxed on this. There's just, there's no give on the buy to let market at the moment. So if there's ever a time for a first time buyer to jump on the property ladder, this is a great opportunity for first time buyers to jump on that. Yes, there will be stress tests for their mortgages, but I will say to you again one more time that, you know, you don't have to do a mortgage by yourself. You can group it, you know, with members of family or friends or whatever, and up to four people can certainly borrow. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a slow burner, but it's a way to get on the property ladder. And now is a good time because value-wise, you're picking up probably better bargains. Not always the ones that are rented out, primarily because they've got tenants in them and they're going to be stuck there for um, <coughs> some time, maybe another six months, maybe a year before they get noticed to move out. But those that have been vacant, uh, a lot of landlords have decided that, you know, once they're vacant, they're just not going to keep them. They just don't want to have the headache. They want to get out with old stock. So it's a great time for first time buyers to put their first foot on the run of the ladder. Um, and of course, lenders are coming to the market for first time buyers. 
lenders are coming with other packages like 100% mortgages and I'm pretty certain before long we will get the uh, help to buy schemes back on, on scale and all of those things will push, push the prices up and push the availability and push the opportunities for the first time buyers to get back onto the, the run of the property ladder. Cities are certainly having a bad time of it, Joe. If you look at uh, what we have on the screen here, I'll describe it for those listening on the podcast, of course. But if you look at somewhere like Norwich, you were looking a year ago of the annual price growth of around 13%. It's now down to about 2 or 3%. Bristol, uh, around 10%, um, 3% now. Uh, Brighton, Reading, Glasgow, all suffering. Um, London is now in negative growth and Aberdeen is the worst performer at something like uh, minus 2% growth this year in price changes. So uh, the city's having a tough time and we're getting some reaction here as well. Uh, let's just uh, say good morning to Guy. Morning, Paul and Joe. I would say the stats are difficult to read at the moment as the market has so many things tugging it from all angles. What is sure is that there's not many homes being purchased for letting and the stock is reducing and that strengthens the landlords over the tenants where there is a lot of demand. That's an interesting point, actually, because uh, Gove is uh, determined to uh, stop landlords uh, riding roughshod over tenants. And <coughs> the the uh, situation where there's a lot of demand for a property, the landlord uh, is in the uh, driving seat, isn't he? Well, the landlord are in the driving seat because stock is becoming uh, lesser and lesser. And of course, um, if you're, especially when those landlords that are coming out of the marketplace, and Guy's absolutely right in that. I mean, there's a lot of uh, people that are just saying, you know what, uh, once a property becomes vacant um, and perhaps it's got a short lease. So either they've got to consider about, you know, extending that lease. They've got to also think about um, 2025, which is really not that far away, where they've got to get it up to EPC. C standard, though it's not law yet, but it's 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 definitely you know if Gove has anything to do with it, it will be law before you know it, um, and all of those things are extra costs that are going to say, well, you know what, this is a time for me to cut and run. The landlords are cutting and running and and getting out of that, which means the demand, sorry, the supply is becoming very very limited in the letting market. So those landlords that are in there are now actually able to demand a higher rent, um, and um, and tenants have got to have a good relationship. Otherwise, they will move them on or charge them more money. So there's there's a lot of mixed bag information going on right now. Um, and I agree with Guy. There's, there's no one thing that is, is working. It's just the case of, you know, each one has its own merits and you've got to work individually with them. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit like the song, Paul. The communication is the answer to the problem. I mean, we, we just got to make sure that people are communicating with their landlords, their agents. Uh, and likewise, make sure that they all achieve. And it's equally important for agents um, if they're going to be staying in, in, in the game is that they've got to make sure that they are doing what they're supposed to do correctly in order to make sure that um, you know, landlords support the agent and, of course, tenants continue to use them. There does seem to be a lot of variation in activity across the regions and certainly since the pandemic, we've seen many people looking to move to more remote or um, <clears throat> away from cities, uh, remote areas. So if you look at um, Scotland at the moment, <clears throat> excuse me, demand is uh, is up. It's the only place in the country where, in, in, in the UK, where, uh, where where demand is up and sales are up almost 30% there. So that's a very healthy looking market. On the other side of it, you look at demand in the Southwest, it's down nearly 30%. 
and yet sales randomly are up something like 9%. So I'm not <coughs> sure if the demand is that low and that much reduced, how sales will be increased. But um, it does say that above average growth has uh, impacted the affordability. It looks like people have looked at the markets and said, look, prices there are just silly. Let's look somewhere else where we can afford it. So if you look at London, for example, over the last seven years, Joe, prices have just gone up 12%, whereas they've gone up 47% over the same period of time in Wales. Average earnings increased by 30% over the same period. So areas with house price growth <clears throat> outpacing earnings align with those where demand is well above uh, the average at present. In contrast, the regions and uh, countries where the lowest rate of price inflation since 2016 are recorded, there's been some stronger activity. So London still suffering, and certainly from what we're seeing here, the city centres still not as popular as they once were. Yes, I mean, it goes back, if you just if you just flip back the charts for the last three years, um, all of that was reversed and London was doing nothing because everybody was leaving London. Um, and we'd said at that time, wait for the time because it was the international market wasn't allowed in, pandemic was stopping people flying in and, and, and people weren't traveling in and out. Everybody was fleeing London because of the, of, of the uh, coronavirus at the time. They all wanted to go out. And so at that time, all of the outer regions were beginning to do amazing. And London was the one that wasn't. But we always said that it's only a matter of time when people, the doors are open back, the international market comes into London. And here is the result of that situation, an increase in, in, in London. Though the increase in Wales is much higher. <laughs> and that's primarily because of affordability of what they can actually get. You get a lot more for your money in, in Wales um, than you are going to get in London. Um, and um, so, you know, there is going to be um, that, that sort of change that's going to happen. But I think that it, looking at it from my point of view, I just don't see any particular one region now, whereas it was, you know, a given that always either London or it's going to be, you know, the north or, or whatever. But right now, I think it's going to be a, a mixed bag of wherever that demand and supply is. And the supplies are pretty good at the moment because not only is it the renters that are putting their properties back on the market, but there's a lot of ordinary people that are moving. The other thing, of course, here is the fall through rates. The fall through rates are actually much higher than are reported at this moment in time. As primarily people start to buy, buy a property and then find that for a number of reasons, and probably the number one reason is affordability, they are not able to then conclude. To give you an example, um, and this is purely an example, we had a sale going through, which uh, you know the guy started his transaction in September last year, um, and uh, basically he decided that he was going to borrow the money um, to to go. Uh, that mortgage came through ten days ago, um, and the mortgage. Uh, has to complete by the 6th of this month, next week. Um, now, uh, that was just an impossible task. So what they've done is, first of all, they take their time in getting the mortgage out. And in the meantime, that sale has actually fallen through to that particular buyer, but he left it running just to get his mortgage offer through. He got his mortgage offer through and then said, Am I, can I buy it now? And of course, we sold it to A and other. In the meantime, I said, well, you now need to find another property. He said, but I've only got 10 days to complete. The, the mortgage offer is only standing till the 6th of June. So if I don't find something that is going to complete, well, of course, what's going to happen is <laughs> he's going to find something and they've got to go through the whole process again for that particular property, do another survey, another valuation, etc. And it could be another two, three months. So it's just an absolute carnage in the system for borrowing. 
Equally, I have to say, my favourite subject of all is, of course, the conveyancing, you know, the archaic system that then takes them forever to actually do a basic job um, of, of a, a simple transaction. You could be there three, four months. So because of that, there is a number of fall throughs that are happening, which we're not actually seeing related in our figures uh, individually, but they are probably there globally that, you know, so there are sales and then there are fall throughs and then there are sales again. And you could do that two or three times in that given period before you get the end result. Interestingly, we've uh, had some uh, other commentary here and uh, it says perhaps the variations in growth around the country are due to Michael Gove's levelling up policies. Somehow I doubt it, which I thought was rather good. I no doubt there'll be a point where he does claim that actually, yeah, we have actually uh, uh, addressed the imbalance between, uh, say, London and Wales, for example. He's bound to want to claim that at some point, I would suggest, don't you? I, I, I just think that this, 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 this is not a levelling up thing. This is a statistics and, and, and the economy scenario. Um, yeah. And of course, Michael Gove would want to have some something out of this. Um, and the best thing they could do is is probably take him out and, I don't know, put him on garden leave or do some levelling up in his garden. But he's not doing a particularly brilliant job in levelling up at this moment in time. If you actually look at this um, whole situation, um, the, the thing that has always helped the UK is the building out and, and the building work because it actually motivates other parts of the uh, industry as well. And right now, everybody is just holding their nerve because the interest rates have been killing the market. We knew that in a funny sort of way that that would come. We always knew that the interest rate would you know, come back to this sort of level because they were too low. Um, but it's the other bits, you know, when you think that <coughs> people like Shell and BP are telling you how many billions and trillions of pounds of profits that they're making at the back of all of these people, it just goes to show that that levelling up and, and their policy is not right. They should be bringing some of that money back into those people uh, that are suffering. And they're suffering because all of a sudden they chose to put everything up. And they blame it on, of course, you know, the, Ukraine, um, the Ukraine war, which they're not really helping to to soften and finish off they're just fueling that as well so there's some method behind that madness but uh, if i would get in front of mr go i will ask that question <laughs> but he's always ducking he's always ducking everybody he's very good at that um, so they're saying that, uh, that to sum this up, they're saying the net result is that the build-up of market momentum in the spring is likely to weaken in the second half of the year with the scale of the impact, depending on how much the borrowing costs increase. If they say that if the mortgage rates stay around about 4 to 5%, that's consistent with house price growth of anything between 2% in the best areas and minus 2% in the worst areas, with around 1 million sales a year. So as long as we continue to see a strong labour market, that's where they think we're going to end the year. So around a million sales and growth somewhere between minus two and two, depending on where you are in the country. So we'll uh, keep our eye on that, I guess, Joe, and uh, see where that takes us. Um, I just wanted to pick up on a little bit more detail because obviously <coughs> one of those big figures in there that we have talked about quite a lot, but to just to touch on the fact that 11% uh, of property sales are from uh, buy-to-let landlords, which of course, um, they're just not making the figures uh, work, are they? Because, you know, with mortgages to pay with uh, higher rates and uh, energy costs um, and, and increased regulation, it's just not a viable business for many, is it? 
No, it's, it's just been made completely unviable. And, and the problem is that, in my, in my view, that the government have really not seen this correctly because in a heartbeat, there is going to be a bit of a storm coming from people that are not able to manage their uh, borrowing, manage their mortgages. Um, maybe the repossession numbers will go up. And where are they going to put those people? They, you know, the government haven't built enough property. Uh, local councils don't have enough stock. And they managed to shoot them themselves in the foot by actually making it difficult for investors to buy, to let. And a good number of those properties that they are taking away and put it back on the market now, the 11% you put there, are all properties that perhaps at one stage were rented out to local authority tenants. Um, have come to the end of their time and the, the landlord said, you know what, I'll give you notice, getting out because it's now no longer viable. So the government has to find um, spaces elsewhere for these people to, to live in. Um, and that may mean that they have to shift them in other parts of the country, which isn't always the most favourable way to deal with things because people have their own communities, their families, their infrastructure, their doctors, nurses, etc., etc., that are a schooling for children all set and that all gets disrupted because obviously the local council are no longer able to house them in an area where they want to stay in. So uh, yes, there are more properties coming onto the market which were formerly let out, but as they become vacant, they are coming to the market to be sold. And as we said earlier on, a great opportunity for first-time buyers because they are the properties that they would normally have had a chance to buy that investors bought but now there is a there's a chance for them to buy it's interesting isn't it that the both sides of the of the industry have such different profiles right now so you've got a dwindling um uh, seller's market and, and 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 purchasing market and you've got a rental market that's getting hotter by the minute yeah i mean the rental market is 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 bubbling um over and over the top because <laughs> the whole um the way that borrowing is now calculated, the stress test and, of course, you know, what they require um, in order to meet the criteria from the banks is not achievable. So people are saying, you know, we'll go and rent. Having said that, even the rental market has to have a form of calculation to make sure that they can uh, rent those properties and pay those, those uh, letting costs. This was not the case. 30, 40 years ago, it was a case of, I've got a deposit and I've got this and I can go in and do it. But now, you know, they have to be checked out thoroughly to make sure that they also can have affordability. So it's affordability all round that is creating the problem in terms of the um, tenants or the buyers. But because it is tougher as a buyer, they're beginning to look at uh, being a tenant. Um, and of course, that supply and demand is kicked in for because the demand is high on the tenants, and of course the supply has become limited. Hence the 11% of increase of sales, properties available, all those properties that were originally available to rent are now available to sell. Wrong time, but circumstances um, have stated that. So the demand for the letting property is very high, um, and the demand for the sale property is only enough for the first time buyers, but the investor market is off the line. Final story today. This is the first time we've ever commented on an actual business, um, but it is an interesting situation. I know one that you have some interesting views on. So uh, for those that are not aware, Purple Bricks uh, at one time was a former 
business valued at around £1 billion. It was the darling of the AIM market. Um, and it was a brand feared by mainstream estate agency businesses. Uh, it was a great disruptor, it was called. But from game changer to just a handful of change as competitor strike has picked the business up, including its £30 million worth of liabilities for just £1. Um, this is an article uh, published this week by Russell Quirk, who's a commentator on the property industry that we all know. Uh, his thoughts on the prospects of Purple Strike, as I believe it's going to be called, are that uh, smashing together, it's a bit like smashing together Betamax and Blockbuster. It's unlikely to uh, yield a great outcome. Uh, strike sells homes for, for nothing and purple bricks can't make ends meet even with fees that are just shy of the average for most of the country. Despite that, the fact that purple bricks has been <coughs> saved, let's be honest, this is how it all looks. Uh, they've consumed already strike uh, £75 million of the owner's Charles Dunstan's childhood inheritance <laughs> so far. And purple bricks makes losses in the 20s of millions of pounds a year with huge liabilities and with potentially expensive litigation still hanging, hanging over its head. So Sam Mitchell is the new day-to-day -day boss of the business and says that he's doubled down uh, and pledged publicly to continue to commoditise the state agency and sell its services on the cheap. Uh, he and Dunstan talk of becoming the Amazon of the estate agency world, by which perhaps they mean uh, a descent into a depleting dark forest full of snakes and bugs that's easy to get lost in. This is the words of Russell Quirk, not us here on the Property Matters, but um, it's an interesting view, um, but it, it is amazing how uh, this business has consumed so much money and uh, does suggest that actually, fundamentally, people who are selling a house don't want it too cheap because they suggest they won't get the best service. Yes, it's uh, an interesting subject that you bring to the table, Paul, and I'm sure um, people like Guy, if they're still in, will have their, their tuppence worth as far as this is concerned. But, but um, for me personally, um, you know, having been in the property industry for as long as I have, um, I have yet to find a successful disruptor that has come to the market um, and actually has really shown us the way of a traditional estate agency. I understand and I accept that, you know, traditional estate agency has to have some level of modern twist. And that's because, you know, from newspaper advertising, um, we went into on, online through portals like Rightmove and so forth. But there's nobody that does anything specifically different other than the fact that it's the person that does the job. And that's where owners actually time and time again have come back and said, we would rather pay the extra fees or the fees because it is a real emotional sale. Um, <coughs> we don't know how to handle that situation. There's too many people in it. Um, and, and so subsequently it takes a good quality, someone with good experience, good knowledge, good understanding of the system to be able to hold their hands and get them through to um, a, a sale and get them moving. You know, moving home is probably in the top five of the most stressful things that happen in your life. Um, and, and then people like Purple Bricks um, and many others um, that have come and gone or merged um, uh, because they want to offer it for and strike within six months, maybe a year, I'll give it, will be also out because there's no such thing as a free lunch. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And, um, and, you know, if 1.4, 1.5, 1.6, 1.7, 1.8, 1.9, 1.10, 1.11, 1.12, 1.13, 1.14, 1.15, 1.16, 1.17, 1.18, 1.19, 1.
1 billion plus or 1.4 billion at one is at its top value as purple bricks is sold for a quid um that just tells you what strike's going to be i mean such strike will be at zero minus 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 zero i mean it's just it's just not worth doing even talk about what happens is in the city people come up with these fantastic ideas you know uh, sell it cheap stack it high that kind of thing but you can't take the personalities out of this business and people like russell quirk have been in that business and been doing those this very same thing tried it and has you know come back to being a commentator because he knows the reality is that in this business, people buy people first. You know, if they don't like you, it doesn't matter what you're going to do. You know, it might be a purple bricks, the commissary and the money they spent on. You know, one good thing is that uh, they, they lifted the profile of agency and itself. But what they did in that journey is also shot themselves in the foot. And, um, you know, I, I, I like the idea of purple bricks in the sense that they did a great marketing job. But to do it for nothing, uh, just is, is there in front of you now, what that actually results in. And billions and billions of pounds of people's money that was you know, put into investment, showing them that that would be the way there is the value of that return. You know, they would have been probably better to buy lots and lots of houses. And at least at 1.3 or 1.9% increase this year, they would have probably come off better than being investing in purple bricks. Um, and there are so many these would-be startups that come to the market, um, come in and say that they can do it. I remember, I'm sure Guy would remember, people like Mr. 1% and Mr. 0.5% and all these people that came, <coughs> came into the market, came in and went out as quickly as they came in. Because there is so many other costs that people don't actually value in this business, Paul. They don't understand that there are advertising costs, there are premises costs, there are staff costs, and so forth. And Purple Bricks is sitting on a, uh, on a small time bomb of staff cost because they're going to have to pay, you know, I think it was six million pounds on average each month of staff bills, which they haven't paid for a lot of people. So, actually it gives the industry a bad name when people like this come along tell you they've changed it disrupted it and actually have just created a bit of a bonfire for everybody else to tidy up um, and you know um, good luck to them uh, purple strike well that's probably going to be striped off before you know it but uh, mm -hmm. um, pur purple purple bricks is 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 had its day and done and gone there was others i think yoper and several other the people that came and go went all came up with the same idea on the back of this it's just that you know if it works they think oh well let's all jump on the bandwagon and we can do it i got involved with easy property i think it was for a while and that was just a nightmare of of what it was again somebody came up and went oh we we can get into this we can do this one point one pound 99 we thought i thought myself that's an area that we need to look at and it's very quick i had to come off of that i could see that it just couldn't it was just not a model that worked and and they didn't work so all they wanted to do was take your money and actually not um do any support and where are they that's all gone as well so yeah um it's a sad day for purple brick sad day for, more so a sad day for the property market property industry um but uh, long may people like this not exist 
It does say um, in the article, which is interesting, is the problem is the belief that uh, uh, cheap online estate agency is actually a viable thing. And they're saying that actually it's 20 years old. The concept of cheap online estate agency is now 20 years old. It's had £250 million thrown at it to prove the concept. And the only thing that's been approved is that 95% of sellers still want to pay a traditional estate agent to do the job, uh, which, as he admits himself, he knows to his own cost. And he says, insanity, it was, it was Albert Einstein that said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. The one thing he does say that's come out of this 20-year uh, experiment is the, is, is the um, establishment of the self-employed estate agency business model. So um, those that um, are self-employed and going out and doing the job themselves because they <coughs> know they're good, they actually are better off being self-employed because they know they can take more of the reward for themselves. So he says we've got one, one thing to thank the online cheap model for, and that is the establishment of self-employment within the industry. What's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, Purple Bricks brought in a model of that. Um, I, I don't particularly want to thank them for that. I think uh, United States of America was the real pioneer in that. And um, as much as it was a no success, again, by Century 21, who brought up that whole concept of uh, self-employed realtors uh, into the UK. The UK just didn't um, take that on board, but it's taken 20, 20s of millions of pounds for people to get out there and uh, get, get self-employed status up. And that's uh, something that I've always felt was a great model for agency because it is a, a community-based business wherever you are you are the person that people will go to and that's why agency exists in pods it exists in different areas so you might find that you know you've got one company that was there so for example i go back to someone like maninka which is my original employer when i where i started my life as, as an agent you know maninka grew um, as it grew in the neighboring towns. So, you know, if you had an office in Staines, Feltham, Egham, you know, it was done by community because those communities supported that branch and that branch felt that it could do some, some you know, good business. And that's how it was always grown. But, um, but each of those branches had a manager that either made it or didn't make it. And the reason was that they either went in and worked with the community. So there was somebody who was local to that community, knew that community, made a success of that particular branch. So it was clear and is clear that um, our business is based on the personality that lives in that particular area. And I think that is a great growth for all sorts of people, especially agents. And it opens a lot of doors for a lot of people using a hub um, and then growing that. So um, if, if Russell wants to thank Purple Bricks for that, it's fine. But I, I would think that this model was, is, has come from uh, the US. That's where it originate, originated from, because in the United States of America, they did that. When Century 21 came to the UK and I was working with them, I liked the idea, so I went and joined them to do that. But they weren't ready for it. We didn't want that change. We didn't like that idea. And yet now Purple Bricks will claim that. So I, I agree with Russell to the point that it does and it has brought the change in. And I think it's a great model, great way for people to be part of a business that once you are part of it, becomes part of your DNA, it's part of your, your veins, part of your, your whole thing. It can be very good, very successful. 
Guy agrees with you. Purple grits, no uh, threat at the moment. Conditional sales and self-employed agent opportunities are growth areas, but no purple bricks. So I think he's pretty much in alignment with us uh, on this Sunday morning. So, Joe, thank you very much indeed, as always, for your, your wisdom and uh, your knowledge and uh, your comments as well. And thank you for watching us on Property Matters. Back same time next week.